0: Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 25, Unplugged. When I arrived Saturday at Stormhaven, I found several things that I expected. Snow, though less than we have in Edmonton. Quiet, a sure thing being so far removed from any major highway, and even the secondary one. Fresh air, set back in the forest and farmland. And, of course, good food and good company. But I also found something I did not expect. No internet access, and no cell phone service. My first thought was that I had told Mike to call me when he got up, which was no longer a possibility. But no fear, there was a landline I was welcome to use. My next thought was, how am I going to get online to show Dad what I have in mind for improvements to his latest prototype? But I was able to describe my thoughts well enough that he understood it right away. But right after those two thoughts came... How am I going to finish my boat order in Heyday? And how am I going to tweet about craft dinner? I've been unplugged for the last 24 hours. It was so odd and unexpected. And I admit that behind all the fun of being there, there were moments when I did feel a little at loose ends. I couldn't just pick up my phone to follow Old Beer Guy on Twitter while we were having a discussion of social media and branding. I had to write myself a note for when I had internet access again. It was impossible to fact-check conversations. The discussions were liberally peppered with I seem to recall, but I can't be certain, moments. But the one thing that did come up more than once was how odd it was to be so disconnected from everything, and yet how new a phenomenon that being connected actually was. Three years ago, maybe even two, I wouldn't have seriously considered getting into my car and driving up to the top of the hill to get a signal. Knowing that there was freezing rain overnight in Edmonton wouldn't have sent me to the Find My iPhone app so I could keep an eye on Mike and make sure he was doing okay. Nor would not being able to do so have made me more worried about him. And I certainly wouldn't have felt like I'd left something undone this morning by not checking the road conditions for the drive home. And yet, somehow, some way. In the last few years, this level of connectedness has become the norm. But this morning, when I'd woken and was waiting my turn for the shower, instead of playing demanding iPad games as I normally would, I sat up in bed, picked up the leg warmers, and knit a few rows. The house was quiet, even the cat seemed to have decided it was time to sleep, and I had yarn and a few more inches until I could start the ribbing. It just seemed like the right thing to do in that moment of being unplugged. For all that there are e-spinners, knitting machines, and motorized looms, fiber arts is still very much a handcraft, an unplugged pursuit. Hands and a tool, generally hand-powered, combine to make something real, yarn or fabric, of the vision that the artist has in their mind. While there can be other supporting characters a pattern, an exercise, a sketch, or other people, fiber arts in the ends boils down to a person and their hands. But unplugged does not mean disconnected. I have made more connections through fiber arts than I ever would have thought possible. Ravelry, Twitter, blogs, and of course this podcast have made me a part of a huge community of fiber artists. Connections in person and virtually have pushed me to develop my skills, to become better, and to explore everything that this wonderful world of fiber has to offer. I have become a fiber evangelist, offering to teach people to knit or spin, extolling the virtues of this wonderful community, and dispelling preconceived notions about the disconnectedness of this unplugged pursuit. Even when I sit alone on my couch, just in silence, without the television or music on, and knit or spin... Even in those moments when I am completely unplugged from everything around me, I am not disconnected. Each stitch is one more towards a finished object to talk about on the podcast, or progress to be commented on when next I bring it out to a knitting group, or even just something to talk about when I put down my needles, pick up my phone, and send an observation out into the Twitterverse. I was unplugged for 24 hours. There was a moment yesterday afternoon where the winds shifted and the electrons aligned and a couple of text messages got through to my phone. I checked them, then put my phone down, and came back to the table to continue painting cards with watercolors and enjoy the conversation. I was unplugged, but connections? They happen anywhere, anytime. Even without cell phone service. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fibre side. Fiber Week. It's 7.30 on Sunday night, and if I get this podcast episode out before midnight, I'm going to count myself lucky. Um, I still have to work in the morning, so if it doesn't actually go up until tomorrow, I hope you'll forgive me. I had a really fantastic time. Craft dinner is always a lot of fun. This year we made cards. Um, I had bought some cards at Michael's, and and there was a set of watercolors, and I'd bought some fish stickers, so I have a set of five little watercolor and fish cards. So I it was really fun, and even though the dinner part of it was a little difficult. There were, there, I could eat a few things, but certainly not a lot. I'd brought my own chocolate as well. It wasn't easy, but, uh, but the company more than made up for it. And I did actually have some food that I could eat that I really enjoyed. So, so that was good. But apart from all that, I didn't get any spinning done on level three, which I expected. What I did do was I figured out what I wanted to do to display my 25 colors out of one die pot. I, I figured that out, and uh, and how do I explain this? I made a a table in a Word document and listed off the, the 25 combinations in that table, made sure that it extended the whole page, uh, plus one for the original yarn, printed off two of these, then on the one... Um, folded it so that the one column that I'd left blank was just showing and then wrapped yarn around it and then attached that particular column to the other sheet and I have basically a color card for uh for my dyeing and I gotta tell you actually doing this and actually seeing it makes me rethink what I want to do for my final project and I know I uh, should I should I rethink my final project right now, because I mean, I'm, I am behind the eight ball. It's already December and I don't have too much done on level three. So should I just stick with what I was going to do? Although I haven't started spinning for it yet. So this is the time to change if I want to. So my thought is that I still want to weave and I still want to weave sort of the table runner so I can do like, you know, foot and a half by three feet. But maybe instead of the cotton warp and the silk weft and in the, all the different colors and combinations, maybe what I do is, you know, wool and wool or cotton and wool or cotton and silk, but I do, and I recreate this exercise, the dyeing exercise, except this time, instead of less than a one-to-one ratio of dye, dye, uh, dye stuff to weight of fiber, two-to-one make really, really rich colors. Oh, I don't know what I want to do. It's so tempting. I really just, just putting this together has really sort of inspired me to try it again. Darn it. So I'll, I'll think about it. Uh, It's not like I don't have time to make that decision. I, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, once Christmas is over and I'm home for those few days, I'm going to be working on different pieces and hopefully get a few of the exercises done crossing fingers. And then at that point I can kind of make a decision about what I want to do for the final project. So many choices. Uh, oh, well, it's all good. I'm really happy with it. I'm happy to have actually have something done on my level three homework. And, uh, and yeah, just got to keep going from here. So level two, the exercise that's next on the list is the color wheel. The color wheel is, is, you know, the quintessential exercise from level two. It's the one people talk about. And what this is, is you take the, th- the three primary colors, so it's dyed. Um, in this case, it was Corey Dale that we were given. Red, blue, yellow. And then you have to make all of the secondary colors and all of the tertiary colors. Just by blending those primary colors. And in class, it was really interesting. In class, they said, the, Gail said, don't just say, you know, like a, a red orange is 25% red and, or sorry, 75% red and 25% yellow. And an orange is 50 50. And a yellow orange is, again, 75% yellow and 25% um, red. It doesn't work that way. Which I thought, well, really? I mean, I I don't know. But you know what? It really actually doesn't work that way. There was only one tertiary color, if I'm looking at my combinations here, that was 2575. And that was the blue purple. Uh, some of the other tertiaries that I got was, you know, one was, um, you know, 58 to 42 Another one was uh, f- what was that 14.3 to 85.7. You really just have to play with it. And I mean, the, the idea in blending, if, if you want to be able to recreate the blend, you need to know how much is in the blend. So you weigh your fibers initially, and then once you've got it to the color or, or the, the actual feel of it you want, you weigh what's left and that'll tell you how much you used and that'll be your percentage so it was really interesting when i finally sat down and actually did the percentages on these blends to find out that you know what i only had 12575 and i didn't even have well it's no i had a 5050 but it was a tertiary color so that was really interesting i was uh, i was once i was through that exercise i'm like you know what she was right i wasn't sure But I mean, I guess I should have known just to trust her. So uh, overall, I got really good comments on this particular uh, on this particular exercise. I lost marks again on the spinning, on the consistency. Uh, Singles are variable in grist and TPI and the ply TPI varies. So again, working on your consistency of spinning. So important for level two. So important. But overall, this, I had I had a lot of fun with this particular exercise and, and being able to actually see that I'm, I didn't take art in high school. I didn't take art in junior high. I don't understand color theory. But doing this exercise was really useful to, to me to see how colors blend and, and how you can you know, in terms of optical blending. And that helps too, as a knitter, um, to be able to see how, you know, a marled yarn, once you knit it up, has a possibility of looking solid from, from a distance, but still solid. So really fascinating exercise. Next episode's level two will be the module C1, which is all the different types of camelid and goat and wool fiber spun different ways, plus blends. This was the major, in terms of the actual amount of spinning involved, this was the major exercise for level two. So we'll cover all of those next episode. Next episode comes out just as I'm getting back from Christmas. So again, I don't expect to have much done on level three, but I expect to have a plan for my time off. And that is what I'll talk about then. Fiber notes. I got a little distracted from knitting over the last couple of weeks. I had, uh, I'd been talking to Nathan. He needed some pearl cotton and there really aren't any cross-stitch supply, like good cross-stitch supply shops left in Calgary, but we do have one up here in Edmonton. So a few weekends ago, I went down and, and got the cotton, the pearl cotton that he needed, but I was in the store and I looked around and uh, things happen. And what happened was, I saw some Mill Hill kits, and and for those who aren't familiar, Mill Hill is uh, is a supplier of very nice beads, and they also do uh, small kits for holidays uh, that in- obviously include their beads. And in this case, they had uh, they had Christmas kits of Santa Clauses, and the one was seafaring Santas, and I am. I kind of like blue water stuff, ratio hornblower, and that kind of thing. So I'm like, oh, I kind of really need the captain one. And then they also had Arctic Santas and they had uh, the Icelandic Santa had an Icelandic sheep with him and went, oh, well, I got to have that one, too. <laughs> uh, anyhow, I got slightly distracted. I started the, the captain Santa actually last Sunday and by Friday night I'd finished it. And they're not, they're not large kits, you know, they really aren't. But, uh, but still, I mean, that took some time, but that's fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And now, now it's back to, back to wool. The leg warmers, uh, they're still not quite done. Part of the reason for that is I had to take a couple days off. I, um, got cold here again, and dry, and then that just completely dries out my hands and When my hands get quite dry, it doesn't seem to matter how much lotion I put on them. But when my hands get that dry, when I knit, I have a tendency to knit holes into my fingers and I did that uh, one one day of working on the leg warmers, and I had a hole in my index finger, so I had to let that heal before i was able to to knit on it again i gave it a couple days the the third day i wrapped it before i knit and that worked and now it's pretty well healed so so i had to take a couple days off i am probably between two and three cables away from being able to start the ribbing at the top i'm not 100 percent sure i'm going to have enough yarn left for a matching set of uh, fingerless gloves we'll have to see once i'm done with the dark purple and see. But I mean, even if I only get leg warmers out of it, that's really what I'm going for. So that's what I'll be doing the next week is finishing off those leg warmers. In the meantime, I finished uh, that interminable Kitchener stitch uh, on my mom's sweater. I finished that up at Enjoy Center Knitting last weekend, and held it up and said, can anybody tell the difference? And they looked at it and and they said, the only reason that we can see that they're they're different is because you told us to look for something. I'm like, okay, I'll take it. So I washed it and uh, I woven the ends and then washed it. And I gave it to my mom this weekend and she's thrilled. And it's the perfect length. She even has to roll them up a little bit. So that's fantastic. She can now wear that sweater. And yeah check that one off the list. I'm <laughs> I'm happy it's over. I'm happy that my mom has her sweater back. I'm also happy that I managed to do it. You know, I'm, I'm happy that I managed to take scissors to a piece of knitting that, first of all, I didn't do, and that I didn't ruin it in the process. And do they 100% match? No. I can see it because I'm looking for it. But when my mom's wearing it, nah, no one's going to be able to see it. So... So that's really good. I plan to do a blog post on that tomorrow so that you can actually see some before and after photos. On the list to get for this coming week is uh, a little bit more chain plying, a little bit more knitting on the leg warmers. I have to re-block the op-art blanket. It didn't hold. So I have to figure out how to steam it a little more and hopefully get that acrylic content in it to hold the block. And I still haven't blocked the Shattered Stars shawl, so this coming weekend, in between wrapping Christmas presents, I'll be blocking a couple of things. So that's the plan for Fiber Notes for the coming couple weeks. By the Wayside While I had a hole in my finger, I packed up the tapestry to take with me to knitting groups. And, uh, and you know, it's always fun to take the tapestry out. You get all kinds of interesting comments and, uh, and you know, people appreciating it as well. And, and you know, people at my knitting groups who maybe listen to the podcast, sometimes they don't know what size the tapestry is. It's bigger than you think from the photographs. So, so bringing it out and, and working on it is, is always fun the outlining just oh it goes so slow I feel like I'm making no progress whatsoever and even though I know I'm making progress I'm almost to the point where I can fill in again which is good the uh there's a little bit of you know joining and, and you know making making something to actually fill in um up at the top with the second soldier and then after that I should be able to finish off the horses which would be good before I throw it back in the in the frame though. I'm going to finish off the second horse's tail as well, even though there's no filling in involved in that one. I just want to have that done. And then uh, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that I can do the horse, not necessarily the soldiers. Then the next phase I think will be to do uh, the rest of the outlining with the soldiers, their shields and so on and so forth, and be able to do that as well. So that's kind of where I want to go. And there's still a lot to do. It'll be good, this uh, this second horse, because the first horse's tail is actually, I have to fill in around that tail. That's going to be good practice for me for some of the other things, the boar in the border as well. Um, There's a whole bunch of tiny, small lines that you have to fill in around. So doing this, uh, the second horse will be good practice, I think, for me. So that's where I'm at with By the Wayside, and since this is the last segment of the last episode before Christmas 2013, I just want to take this opportunity to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas, or whatever it is that you're celebrating. Safe travels if you're traveling, and I will speak to you again before New Year's. Thank you for joining me for episode 25. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 26 on December 29th, 2013. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.